0: What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Shmovie. This is episode number 357. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. And as always, I'm joined by... Ron. And... John. There it is. There it is. <laughs>
1: I thought I'd create <laughs> some suspense. Took the I, time. I oh, like it. Yeah. I like it. I'm all about the suspense. You remember I'm how
2: uh, when, when the first... when the first... when the last episode of Sopranos ended and it went black for a second, there was a talk... There was talk of people wondering if their cable had gone out because it just yeah. hung on that black for a second. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of. I think I think I held onto that pause long enough for people to like maybe reach for their for their phone in their pocket to see like what's up with this podcast? Did it hit
0: us? You know, <laughs> is it is it buffering? What's happening? So, or if they're know. watching it on YouTube, yeah, they're probably checking yeah, yeah. to make sure it didn't pause or it lost oh. their
2: Wi-Fi or whatever. I mean, it's possible that I created an unnecessary chaos in people's lives by
0: doing that. And I apologize if I It's safe to assume you did. I mean, you yeah. should just make that assumption.
2: If anybody like lost it with their family <laughs> while they were waiting for me to say my name or anything like that, um, some of those issues, I'm sorry, but those had to come to the surface. Right, Ron? I mean, right. people got to deal with their mess.
1: People got to deal with it, man.
0: Sometimes you got to be a catalyst. It really can't be John's fault that that happened. <laughs> right. Now. Not legally. Yeah. you can't. You can't
2: hold us to that. It's a philosophical weight that I'll carry with me, but not not you know prosecutable
1: under Maryland law.
2: Anyway, how's it going? Yeah, it's going. Let's it's let's going. hope that
1: never happens. Let's hope the feds uh, don't try to take over. And, and, you know that shit.
2: That's part of our podcast charter:
1: is yeah. that our mission that is, to, goal. Yeah.
2: is
0: to avoid federal interest. <laughs> Oh, I misread that. I thought we were trying to garner it. Sorry. Well, there's a certain yeah. kind
2: of interest. We want awareness, maybe on the national level. Uh, we don't want interest right, on yeah. the federal level. There's a big difference. Got it got, mm-hmm.
0: it. got it. Got it. Got it. So today's that. episode, um, we got some news items we're going to talk about up top here. Um, we got Ronald's pick for required viewing, uh, which is <laughs> terrifier. Ronald. Ronald. Um, Ronald. Yes, we'll <laughs> talk about that in a moment. And then, oh, yeah. uh, and then after that, we're gonna kind of just do some, you know, catch ups and randomness and bits and bobs and what we've watched here and there. So, um, Ron, why don't we just start the podcast? You, we were talking about this before we started recording. You kind of brought up this topic conversation of, you know, this, 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 what, what, what works and is not working, or the the perfect mix of, uh, like a theatrical window to streaming or streaming only, or you know what was the motivation, you know, for this conversation? What brought you to this? And, you know, kind of explain what's going on to everybody.
1: Yeah, I think I think with the release of Barbarian and um, Smile, uh, I think about uh, some of the strategies that have kind of come during the pandemic. The pandemic is still here, but, you know, you can go to the movies now and not feel too crazy about it. Right. And um, I'm noticing that, you know, some companies are choosing to still go uh, straight to streaming service, and then some have kind of gone for the whole, you know, give it a window, whatever that may be, uh, to be in the theaters, and then release it to p and typically streaming after that. Sometimes it's simultaneous, but it seems to be P-Vod first and then to the streaming services. and. The rewards that are kind of coming from it, like uh, I say, "Barbarian" is one of those things. It, it it garnered a bunch of buzz in the theater, and now that people have kind of gotten it in their hands, I, I, I there's a it, there seems to be a popularity to it. You know, PVD's doing really well, and uh, this is the last part of it. I kind of call it the the bootleg sort of uh, complex. So, you know, back in the day. When you get a copy of a bootleg you know and it was clearer like high level bootleg it would kind of feel like you know i've i've kind of duped the system i have something really cool and i've noticed in the last like two weeks you know what so,
2: guys that that interest on a federal level it might be it might be coming there it is there it is <laughs>
1: yeah it might be coming, might I, be coming I'm use, I use a couple words that might set the feds off <laughs> <laughs> so um Yeah. So I noticed that in the last two weeks or so with the release of Barbarian, there's like this thing where people are like, hey, have you heard of that movie Barbarian? And they'll look kind of side to side. They're like, you know, it's on HBO Max and it's on p and, you know, the one with all the buzz. And that's there's like a weight that comes with that. Um, I know that that's I know that that's a good option now. But how do you feel about the straight to pvod versus i'm I'm so sorry straight to the streamer versus uh this route of the little theatrical window and then
0: i mean i think it it, i think an interesting starting point is like really looking at the landscape and seeing how many different variations of it that there are so yes you know you talk about you got words like streaming pvod theatrical so and in some cases movies kind of touch all three like like barbarian being an example that does hit all three cuz it it was theatrical it's on pvod it's on hbo max like it, it's it's kind of checking certain boxes in these in these yeah. equations or these formulas that they're kind of they seem to be toying around with to see what works the best either across the board or for a certain kind of movie or a certain kind of release but yeah i mean so we're talking about you know movies that come out from the spectrum of a theatrical release that has like a a truly protected window. Something like Top Gun Maverick most recently is the true exception to what seems to be coming the rule, which is a movie that comes out and is in the theaters for like pretty much three full months, if not more with no exposure digitally or online. So outside of a possible bootleg, you know, a, a literal bootleg, you know, you're talking about a movie that, you know, gets that protected window, which is what it always was for the most part pre pandemic, you know, 90 days, usually minimum. And, you know, now we see these mixes of releases where, you know, Universal, for example, has this program where, you know, what they can put a movie in theaters and based on how it performs opening weekend, they basically then get an option to either release it digitally in 17 days or to keep it in theaters for a longer run. I think it may be 30 or 45 days, whatever they decide, mm. but You know, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you have these things that are just coming out straight to streaming and really kind of like the Pixar Disney stuff really has sort of become and maybe some of the HBO Warner titles like during the pandemic where they were doing the day and date releases um, are kind of on that side of it where, you know, some of those things are completely skipping a theatrical release, like a lot of the Pixar things had done uh, with the exception of Lightyear. And you know, then some of the Warner stuff was like day and date, where they would be in theaters in peak pandemic, really, still. Mm-hmm. But then was coming out on HBO Max because they were trying to launch that platform. I think when we were talking about this, my gut tells me that it seems like movies that go straight to a streaming option, um, even if it's day and date. It does seem to really kind of hinder the performance of a movie box office-wise. It doesn't necessarily mean that not a ton of people are seeing it like I guess most recently Halloween ends was one of those that went day and date. It still had a really good opening, but then you see, you know, it dropped massively in in it's second weekend, assuming that a lot of people probably watched it on Peacock or the the digital platform or whatever it was on, I think, Mm -hmm. but it, it is kind of like a weird balance because I think if they're putting marketing into a theatrical release, there is an interest to try to like leverage that as quickly as possible to still get people looking for it digitally you know i think barbarian barbarian is a good example or smile you know where movies perform well in their theatrical window they don't have to go to the full you know 45 day necessarily but they can make a lot of money in theaters quote unquote a lot of money for you know their budgets and then find a place when streaming or digital or video on demand whatever it might be because that's still it's still leveraging the marketing from the theatrical release because the it's like, a, it's like a funnel. I mean, ideally, that's what they want it to be. Um, but it's an interesting topic because I think they're all trying to figure that out still. And you see studios say one thing one month and then backstep it the next month, like HBO Max and Warners, for example, like how mm-hmm. they've kind of pivoted the whole thing. Because they're seeing that, like, you know, they're not getting a massive return on some of these things that are going directly to streaming um, on whatever the given platform may be. Um, but then you have something like Hocus Pocus 2, which is a movie that probably could have come out in theaters and made a lot of money, in my opinion, um, especially because you see that it's basically going to end up becoming the highest streamed movie in its initial release in the streaming era. Like, mm-hmm. they released the numbers for the first, I think, two weeks, and I think when it hits 30 days, which is w- be in like a week or so, you know, where they can finally make that announcement. And a and word on the street seems to be that it's going to be that. So a movie like that becoming the biggest streaming movie on a platform, like, period. You got to believe that movie, pro- they've left a lot of money on the table. Like, because it seems like a movie like that um, would get a ton of money. And um, and then, of course, there's the Netflix of it all, which is like everything is straight to their platform. And they're toying with something right now with Glass Onion. Really, probably just as a thank you courtesy to Ryan Johnson, because it doesn't seem like it's a real big commitment but it, it's a baby step in a direction for them where they are putting a movie in theaters in the major theaters. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, it's so interesting because like you said, Rhonda, we're still kind of in it. And I think there, there, there are these warring factions of the theatrical release and protecting it. And the idea of like building a, a subscriber base because of the content that they can rely on to be there, you know, on, on the day it comes out. So, Yeah. I don't know. My my gut says that things that are going straight to streaming definitely burn bright, burn fast. If they have, if they benefit from that, or if they have that benefit, mm. and they don't really have the legs that something like Barbarian or Smile is having right now, um, so there does seem to be still a play to include some sort of theatrical release. And my gut says something like what Universal is doing is is probably what the future is going to be whether they all uh, come to agreement and accept some version of that. But that seems to be like the most logical thing because it gives them flexibility to pivot away Yeah, if it's completely bombing. And really it gives like a vendor or an exhibitor, like a theater, the ability to say, yeah, we don't want to commit to it if it's not making money. Yeah. So instead we can play Wakanda forever on more screens, you know, or, or they can, they can give screens to something else that they can get rid of something that's, that's underperforming. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an ever-changing thing, but it's a really cool idea to, to discuss it because, yeah, you, you do see these movies right now that are kind of breaking the exceptions, you know, or becoming the rules even, maybe. Yeah. And um, it's cool, especially because you're talking about two horror movies kind of blazing that path that seems like it's probably going to be what more, movies, what more movies do, you know, in, in the near future. Um, I don't know what what and what do you think, John? Or what what's your take on? I mean, you you probably been going to the movies more, or you have been going to the movies like way more frequently than either of us. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. like you know, and seeing most of what you've seen in theaters, even if it comes to a theatrical, I mean, to a streaming or pivot option soon, you know, you you definitely take that advantage, take advantage of the opportunity to go see in theaters. It seems when whenever you have a chance to. So, like, what's your take on that all? You know, I, I was
2: just thinking when you were saying that, it's odd that you asked it to me that way, because I was just thinking I don't have much to add to what, what you guys have said about this, because it's such a speculative... I mean, we're, we've been talking about right. this, different phases of this for the last several years, of just what's the new normal? Is there a new normal, you know? Um, uh, but I, I, when you ask about the theatrical experience, for me, I think that the only movies that th- that I am aware <laughs> of a release date and that i have a, a release date in my mind it used to be every movie that i was interested in seeing i had a release right. date in my mind for it mm-hmm. now the only movies that i have a release date in my mind for are the ones well i mean unless i'm just super interested in something in which case i'll have an, a sense of it but in general there's like so much stuff coming out now as we've said that you don't always uh, anticipate things like you used to you know so yeah. you but i think the only ones that i really go oh yeah, the you know, Wakanda forever comes out on this day are theatrical only movies. Um, right. It, there may have been a couple that I was surprised to see that there was a day and date or that, oh, it came out in the theater and there was some way to watch it on streaming for 30 bucks or something like, you know, I'll find out, oh, there was an early access or whatever. But I guess right. my point is to me, the confusion of when does that movie really come out? Oh, October ish sometime. It's like, mm-hmm. you start reading reviews for it. You start seeing feedback for it. Give it a week look it up there's going to be some streaming service playing it in most cases with a movie nowadays um you know and i feel like that's what i've noticed is just that you know i i have sort of stopped thinking about when movies are coming out exactly because i get this sense that well pretty soon it'll be available for me just to watch here impulsively at home um even though as you said steve i have been as much as possible going out to the theater at times that feel like they might be a you know less crowded screening or just a movie that i can't wait for um but i was thinking about that how like oh yeah barbarian was a movie that i went to see in the theater because i had heard all this buzz about it and i was excited about it and there was no other way to see it uh right. word of mouth for that movie was so strong then it hits streaming like right on halloween which was another fantastic move Genius. for that movie yeah. so that worked out great for a movie that didn't cost too much and 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 was really good on top of everything else so i don't know if we can look at success stories like that and say that's the model i mean i think what you're saying steve the 90 day window or whatever that like top uh, top gun maverick was this outlier in so many ways of what a movie can do you can't really say that's the model either a hocus pocus 2 maybe even would be too big of a of a of a a movie to say this is the way all movies might perform or this is how they might fare but i think that sense of like this is an event there's a date on the calendar everybody's going to be talking about this movie on that date i think that gets blurrier for these movies that come out in in new york and la and then it hits streaming a couple weeks later and then pretty soon it's almost like you don't know when it's safe to say Let's talk about this movie, or has anyone seen this, or anything? So, I think that's there's a sense of confusion I have about like when's a movie really coming out, and also the fact that they can make a choice after the first week, too, as to like how quickly it's going to hit streaming. Um, yes, you know, all that just feels like uh it's it's almost like just if a movie's coming out give it a couple weeks and look for it you'll probably find it at home um but if it's such a success like top gun maverick then that's the kind of movie people are excited to go to the theater for um and, that, you know, I I didn't hear a single person who didn't who, who said they felt ripped off by that, by going to the movies to see that. Yeah. Um, but a lot of movies you kind of would, especially if nowadays it's more premium experience for people to say, I'm going to drag my ass out to the theater. We're going to mask. Yeah. We're going to do whatever we're going to do. Uh, if it's not a great movie, um, you know, it's another thing that feeds into that idea that only the big event movies are going to be like the huge theatrical hits. But that's a separate topic. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: To the, to the point <laughs> where like to add to that point. To the point where you might go see a movie, have a bad experience, and then like they're like, I'm not going back outside to see a movie <laughs> right. for the next year. Right. Hollywood Hollywood
2: burned me. I'm done with Hollywood.
1: <laughs> you could do that now and not feel like you, okay, you're, so you can yeah, be like okay. you're missing anything. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay, so I'll watch Andor until this movie comes out. You know, like mm-hmm. I watch this movie to right. the I watch this show till this comes out. That makes that makes You know what, you know what I've realized about Top Gun? Because it's a mixed bag. It's like it it, sure. It it's 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 a combination of serendipity, um, you know, nostalgia, you know, bro culture, everybody loves Tom Cruise culture, but they earned those seats. I you know, one thing I will say about that movie was I saw that shit everywhere. Yeah. In the and them waiting the way that they did and promoting it the way they did means they earned people coming into the seats like they did like there wasn't a place where i went where i didn't see anything about top gun and that's why they waited they knew that hey sure sure the movie's incredible but on top of that this marketing is going to get people to fucking see it and it did i mean like i saw the the trailers and i was like holy shit i mean you know the 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 little behind the scenes things they were doing showing how it was filmed i'm like this is unique this is expensive this is special and i should go see it i feel like at least for them to make some of that money back this these cameras especially made just for this movie it's like weird things i was thinking about that i never considered for any other movie so what because genre would
2: you say tom Cruise invented with top gun maverick
1: it's like it's like uh it's like this nostalgia. They should actually have a a a genre of movie just called like nostalgia, <laughs> and it kind of. I
2: think that is actually every movie coming out nowadays, mostly. Yeah, but so like Tom, I just know that he created sci-fi he with did, Oblivion. Man. I just didn't know if this was a new genre. He did,
1: but he also created. <laughs> I'm going he deep did, on though. on
2: inside jokes on the show. Everybody right. out there listening, listen to every episode so that you can get the joke that I just. Uh, yes, it's such made. a
1: silly fucking. But yes, I, th- I think... You know, Top, top like-
2: Gun Maverick was such a weird, successful movie, though. Like, it was it such... Was. A, it's almost weird to talk about it, because even people who didn't like that movie loved that movie, you know? Like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like,
2: yes. the, the, I didn't hear a single person not go, oh, I just, like, even if yeah. people thought it was over the top and ridiculous, they talked about how much they loved seeing it in the theater, or how yes. it was great to see that bigger, or, or the jet scenes were great. I don't know. I just feel like that movie was was a weird outlier. But I do think that Tom Cruise... I mean, we've talked... Again, there's so many overlapping topics in this little discussion because the yeah. star power aspect is something we talk about a lot. And that's another big question as to like what movie can open... What movie can actually go to the theater? What is the star of the movie? Is it the franchise? Yeah. Is it the studio? Is it the director? Is it the actor? You know, there's almost like you hey. could break it down on those lines and say that most of the movies that have these huge theatrical releases are the movies where it's like the franchise or the name recognition. A lot of these smaller movies that are more driven or, you know, auteur-driven, Um, often those are the ones that just kind of dribble out now. Like, I sometimes will drive by the theater and be surprised at what's out, like, not so much at what's out, but at what's playing theatrically. I'll be like, oh, that's cool yeah, that that's yeah. actually in theaters. I didn't know that. I watched it at home, you know. Um, So, yeah. I don't know. So, we'll just kind of keep our it, eyes on this. It seems like there's not really yeah. a, a trend necessarily, except this is just a a weird moment for movies like the, now we've for sure like habits are forming and i don't think hollywood uh, hollywood the business i i don't think they know what they're doing yet like i don't i really don't think they have kind of you were indicating this steve like there's not really much in like accumulated accumulated intelligence on their part about how to handle this kind of phase like how you market movies in today's age like we're we're what is the smart move for a movie? Is it smarter to put it that's out crazy. day and date where more people can see it, or is it better to like let word of mouth kind of carry through? Um, so, yeah, yeah.
1: What's the other story I, we wanted to talk about? Oh, you had some. Yeah, tomorrow. yeah. No, no, no. I was going to say that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, let's let's go to the next. What what was yeah. this? Oh, the merger, the big merger.
0: Yeah. So I, I literally sent this to you guys like an hour or so before we started recording tonight, but it was. Uh, there's speculation, there's rumors, something you know possibly in play here for um, Jason Blum and James Wan. Apparently, are in discussions to possibly merge their two production uh, companies, Blumhouse and uh, Atomic Monster, which would be really interesting because you know I, there's been rumors over the last couple of years. I'm sure you guys have probably come across them that like you know Blumhouse was probably prime to be you know a, a prime piece of business to be sold to a, mm-hmm. a big studio or to a big, yeah, I don't know, a, a, co- a company that's in this production distribution arm of Hollywood and yeah. they haven't yet. So, um, you know, and they've, they've continued to be pretty successful and they've had some hits and misses in, in you know, the past few years, uh, maybe, maybe more misses than they used to have. But, uh, um, this seems like a no brainer if that's the motivation, because it seems like, you know, making this happen, would probably only produce more hits and would probably only value add to both of their situations. You know, if that's ultimately the goal to maybe end up being acquired by a studio at some point. But, um, you know, it seems like both of them kind of have hands through, you know, working with, well, specifically James Wan more with Warner, Warner brothers. Well, now Warner brothers discovery. Um, and Jason Blum, obviously with universal, um, but it seems like kind of a a nice marriage in terms of the exposure to distribution that they both have, the success that they both have, um, you know, two, two of, you know, really not even, you know, a question, the most successful horror, you know, people, you know, in, in the business production creators, whatever it might be. Um, you know, it's, it's those two guys and, you know, you probably would talk about like Jordan Peele, uh, you know, big names like that. And these are two that kind of have, ongoing relationships with one another you know they've, they've worked together multiple times and uh yeah it seems to make a total a lot of a lot of sense to me especially if the goal is to possibly sell your business and make a massive payday eventually because um they both have found a lot of success uh in the horror genre but um i don't know what do you guys what's your take on it what's your read any thoughts sounds huge i mean yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, horror is kind of the genre of the moment, it seems like, or at least as far as, like, all the studios want to, like, secure and increase their output and get, like, a team in place and have an imprint, a shingle under which to do it. So, I mean, in some cases, I think it's kind of interesting, though, like, okay, it sounds big, but it also, you could have believed, I mean, in terms of the Blumhouse movie vibe and the sort of movies that James Wan produces, you could have believed they were under the same roof already. I mean, not... Sure, well, not wildly different. Uh, I, so I don't think yeah, that the yeah. content necessarily is going to be that crazy, but maybe the people they sign and the maybe they'll go, they'll go after some wild uh, different sorts of projects. Um, yeah. But it's kind of like when Disney buys some company; it's just oh, now they have one more giant franchise under under their you know under their auspice. Yeah. It's yeah, a, yeah. it won't really change that much, but it is interesting to picture that like it's news that that uh you know this is like the kind of news you hear about James Gunn taking over uh DC it's like oh horror they they they're setting up a, a major horror uh concern here you know it's kind of like um i don't know i wonder if that will fade i wonder if it'll be just like superhero movies where there's a fatigue uh over <laughs> over, over like studio horror films you know in a few yeah, years yeah. But for, as a horror fan i like when i hear that that's something that studios recognize is making them enough money that they can you know, that they, that the, the, the money counters are excited about making more of it. So,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, the risk, risk versus reward for the budgets that these horror films have is just, it's astronomical when you win, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a gamble. You put, you put, what's five, what's 5 million, you know? Right. And then to make 200 million out of that, it's just, it's insane. Like, it, yeah. It is a weird ratio of of money spent to money given. If if it winds up being uh, popular, so I get it. I get why it's it's, it's going to work out. Yeah,
2: yeah I th- I think also horror is that genre where the Friday like the, that initial weekend kind of to your point Ronald they can make back the budget and more in one weekend and then it's yeah. a hugely successful movie even if it goes straight to uh, streaming the next weekend or if it falls yeah. off or whatever it's like if you spend 5 million and make 15 million then you're probably going to have a sequel or that director is going to make another movie for you even if nobody likes the movie <laughs> or or yeah. you know what i mean even yeah. if audiences yeah, sure. don't carry right. it forward um but yeah. uh, what wasn't that the Blumhouse model though was don't break 15 million like wasn't that the sort of or something like that, Steve, there was some number yes. that just don't go above this number in terms of budget and then we'll be fine because we know how to make at least X amount in marketing, you know, they, they had a yeah. they had a workflow and, for for making And it kind of stepped
0: up, yeah, and it, it stepped up, like, yeah. kind of as they went along and had some depending on who it was and what it was like, they definitely went outside of that yeah. restriction, but I mean that was just like a part of their model, yes, exactly that, like, they you know really wouldn't they really wouldn't they'd let you make your movie but you made your movie with this budget and you know yeah they, and they would they would help find an audience for it and they, they've yeah they've been wildly successful um and jason blum is just uh i think a genius you know personally like i love listening yeah. to him on when he's on different podcasts and he's reading some interviews he's done wait there are different um, podcasts yeah they exist I, you know i don't like to talk about them a lot but they're yeah. they're out there they sound they sound um, shitty um but you know it's just like i i he's just he's such a good mind uh you know and he's got such a history in the business and you know his success that he's found is not luck you know it's it's he knows what to do and Mm -hmm. he's got a lot of really kind of progressive forward-thinking ideas especially you know especially in the in, in the streaming context too like he's got like some interesting outlooks on You know motivating um motivating streaming platforms in terms of their production slate um you know to kind of get people to have more of a dog in the fight you know when they make these movies on streamers you know when they pay them up front and they buy out their back ends and they do all this stuff it's like Mm -hmm. is there really motivation to like make this successful like as, as a actor or as a producer or as a whatever you know, because if the streamers buying you out and paying all this money up front and there's no back end or there's no motivation for points in the, you know, in the streaming game, like th- that, there's no structure for that. And that's kind of what really kind of blew Hollywood up and, you know, made the blockbuster get created, like created the blockbuster in a lot of ways is to kind of motivate the, p- the people that were being in these things that were acting in these things to choose things that they believed in and were willing to like put it on the line for to make it successful. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot of ideas around that, you know, and I think it really kind of applies or could be applied maybe to some of the output that they make with this, you know, if they merge these two and whatever it becomes known as. I would not be shocked if a lot of their efforts really kind of go after some or some or one or, or I don't even know how you would do that, but something on the streaming front you know mm-hmm. to try to maybe revitalize revolutionize you know just create a new model in streaming that's that's netflix's biggest criticism is that you know these movies don't they 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 tout these numbers that don't really mean anything you know but and it's because the people that are involved with it don't really you don't ever really see people out there banging the drum about a netflix movie that's coming out they don't do the circuit as much as they do for all these other movies that they are required to do that stuff for mhm but I would, yeah, I don't know. Like, if you, any of that interests you, you know, in the last year, he's done at least a half a dozen interviews and um, about that topic specifically about the motivation for the streamers to maybe engage more with um, creators and actors and producers on back end, you know, stuff so that they're not getting it up front and they're, you know, maybe have a little more motivation to like create a product that's going to have staying power that's going to really catch on or you know create some sort of word of mouth um so i'd be excited to see if he actually found a way to do some of that with whatever they put out with this you know merger if it happens because um, I'm, I'm a big fan of his and james Wan. but will you, yeah, will you be maybe. excited to find out steve or will you be terrified to find out <laughs> well i guess it depends how it ends up but right. um uh, nice, nice, nice uh, transition there, John. Um, yeah. So, Ronald, required viewing. Speaking yes. of horror movies, so Ronald, tonight, Jay, t- t- tonight Ronald we're changing this. Jason Blum is yeah. uh, involved in. Tonight we're changing the
2: name of this feature from required viewing to explain yourself.
1: Yeah. So I mean,
2: <laughs> I'm just kidding. I
1: picked. <laughs> I picked uh, 2016's The Terrifier, uh Damien Leone. I'm gonna say Leone. Yeah. Uh, uh, Damien Leone's terror, uh, movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I only say that cause like it, it is, I, I picked this because these movies really split the room, man. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I'd never seen them and I see art, the clown everywhere. I see art, the clown art. I see art, the clown clips, compilations, And with the release of Terrify 2, I kind of wanted to get it under our belts just to to see it. You know, I, I didn't have any expectations beyond that there'd be a clown in it. So, so that was your
2: awareness. You had not seen much because I'd read about Terrifier a few years ago, yeah, and then like sought out a few clips online because I heard there were some really weird, brutal moments in it. Yeah, and I checked them oh. out, and I, it it seemed like not my tempo when I watched okay. those clips. And then when Terrifier two came out and was having all this hype, I did a similar yeah. thing. I kind of hunted down, like, well, what's up with the why are people are talking about the kills in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I sort of found myself going, not my tempo again yeah. and then yeah. when you suggested watching it i was like you know what i'm going to give this movie a good shot and just watch it like any old yeah. movie rather than going ahead and deciding it's just it's in that you kind of what you said ronald you say this th- this movie divides the room uh, or these movies do but i also think it's just in a yeah. subgenre of horror that you might you might be a horror fan and not watch this type of like exploitative sort of uh, throwback kind of pure horror kind of pure I mean, there's a part yeah. of me that admires the purity of a movie like this, even as mm-hmm. it's kind of turning me off with like every creative choice. Just about, yeah. um, but there's a lot to talk about even within that because what what you Ronald said that I think is really crucial is this: the Terrifier 2 is having a moment. I mean, it's it's
1: it, I'm it got moment. to the
2: point where it's like, oh, people are people are talking about this, and everybody's talking about it like it's something different and like it's something that blew their minds. People are throwing up, people are fainting. You know, there's all those yeah. kind of stories. So I don't know. I did um,
1: see, I did see All Hallows Eve, which was the not the first appearance, but the first, like, grand entrance of Art the Clown. So I, I did see that. It's an anthology of stories. Um And art is kind of intertwined into all that, all the stories yeah. in the anthology, which is very hard to explain when you watch it, but it, it is, it is what I saw. Yeah. And, uh, I did see Art the Clown prior to this movie but I hadn't seen a full movie devoted to this character. So I I guess I want to know what you guys think and maybe I'll tell you guys at the end what I thought.
0: Um I don't know, I'm not really a fan of it. I mean, I I I feel like this yeah, I'm probably the person that John just described like I love horror movies and I love horror in general. Yeah. But I guess like just the exploitative the uh yeah, I also just don't think that it's like a good movie. You know, like I don't think that there's anything creatively beyond maybe you know Art the Clown. Just I, you know, physically and just yeah. you know, iconically. Like I can see why there's something there with that because that is a pretty, you know, pretty creepy, scary, you know, figure in horror. I can see why people yeah, yeah. latch on to that. And yes. uh, I do think visually it's like a really cool uh, monster, quote unquote. Um, but I just, you know, I it's it's the kind of thing that I kind of have trouble getting through. Like, I don't know, some, some of the... And I can appreciate and respect, like, a, a low-budget movie that is working with what it has. And it's not even... That's really not even where I'm going with any of my concern or criticism of it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more so of just, like, the story and the choices and the characters. Like, it just... There really isn't anything about the movie that makes me interested in watching it at all, with the exception well- of acknowledging art is, like... Yeah, it's pretty creepy and scary. Well, Steve, I want to
2: like just throw in there because I think you're you're kind of making my main point here, which is that other than art, this movie has nothing going on. Like it's so right. rare to see a movie that like they don't they maybe there's a line or two that indicates like a relationship between the sisters, I think some friends, yeah. But like it's yeah. so sketched in. Even when like the radio report comes on and they're talking about the murders that have just happened, um they say uh uh the local sheriff says, it's like they didn't think they didn't even say <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? They didn't even like on the radio, they usually would say the name of the sheriff or the the name of of the the county or something. But instead, it's like the local sheriff said in town there was a killer, a a man died. You know, it's like they've they have thought so little through that I I wasn't so much pissed off by that. But I do think that's a detriment to this movie that like if you're not engaged by the tone and if you're not here for this kind of violence and this kind of gore, just as a rule, not to say that I'm not here for it, but I'm not going to sign up just for that. Um, Yeah then it's like, there's literally no, like some horror movies will bother me with how much they attempt to make you care about what's happening outside of the main storyline. This movie was the opposite. There was literally nothing except for a kind of drawn out, you know, slow moving single location, more or less, um movie. So I think that's part of why it's hard to get through, Steve. I I was prepared to be disgusted, but I was more bored uh than disgusted. But I did get a little disgusted at points. It's pretty misogynistic, right? I mean, like the 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 major the major kill that they linger on in this movie, what made me really uncomfortable, the way that it's filmed and the the I mean, and I agree that horror I, I don't I, I think that's what I wanted to ask you guys about is like where why do we have a line between the kind of horribly violent uh, blasphemous stuff that tickles our fancy and we think is yeah. really good and the stuff that just feels kind of cheap and, and, okay. and like so, uh, sleazy or something like wh- what's that line and why is that line I, there?
1: I, I have something to say. I have something to say. I think Steve isn't artsy fartsy about everything. But one thing he's artsy-fartsy about is his horror films. Yeah, I think I think there's uh, editing. There's a there's a there's an art to good horror films that this lacks. It it's almost like a man. You know, there's something that really bothers me. Um, there's like this like audience that's like fuck the establishment. This is what people like for horror and stuff like that. So I kind of I kind of went on like a. Just seeing how people felt about it. And what I'm starting to f- understand is like, I I don't mind there being a level of like, I'm going to throw up watching this movie. But yeah. what I really want at the heart of it is good storytelling. Yeah. And I think that's what y'all were saying. And with Steve, you know, you were kind of hitting on when you first yeah. started talking about it. And what you were saying, John, like there, there is a, uh, whatever uh, let's say let's name any horror film that we've ever talked about if that person did a comedy and it had the structure of that horror film we would like that movie if it was a, if it was a romantic comedy and had, there's something about structure and beginning middle and what are the motivations of the character and there's like a there's a there's a there's a there's a development of story that we want to see that these things lack And it's almost like if somebody cannot differentiate this, because I because I talked to somebody about this, Terrifier Two from Barbarian. If you cannot differentiate what makes Barbarian special as a storytell just storytelling versus this one, I will slap the piss out of you. It doesn't make any sense. I'm just. It just bothers me. I mean, well, if, well you're if, mentioning if, Terrifier
2: like, 2. What we just watched was
1: Terrifier, and the reason I want to mention that is that Terrifier two sure. is an
2: is an hour longer. It's a two. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's like a two hour through. and twenty minute movie. Yes. and I yeah. and and I watched enough of it to know that it's oh, not you because, watched it's not because so I have not finished it but it's not because so much happens in it if you were thinking oh there must this must be a right 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 because the idea of like a horror epic i i like that i mean that made me go me oh too. someone could me do too. a me slasher too. epic you know you could do it it would be interesting to see someone really bite off that kind of huge storyline and try to make like take a a B grade idea like this and make it like with great characters and great scenarios and but that's yeah. not what it is it's really just this but even more padded um and more gruesome drawn out kills. And I think that's what Terrifier 2 is getting a lot of fame for is the fact that the kills are off the chain insane. And and yeah, once yeah. again, there's a couple of women who guess what have some pretty nasty stuff happen to them. Um and I just am surprised I haven't heard anybody say that, like about these movies. I guess horror has a certain uh, amount of exploitation and misogyny yeah, yeah. kind of baked in. into it. And we talk yeah. about it, but the best movies thwart it or use that. Like, even back when it was maybe still a little sexist to say, oh, we're surprising you that this woman has the fortitude to survive this situation. Even if that is inherently sort of a sexist model, you still had... uh examples that are great within that like um you know sigourney right. weaver and alien or jimmy lee curtis and halloween where it's like oh no this is not about watching a woman suffer this is about watching a character be a badass and and they happen to be a woman you know and and i don't yeah. know i just feel like that that's always been a discussion to have about horror but i, I found this movie to be yeah just kind of mean in that way and like again whenever you watch these movies and always notice who gets the worst kill who gets the most drawn out scene who gets the most yes. suffering on screen yeah, yeah, yeah. who's the most sure. humiliated you know whatever oftentimes it'll be a woman in this type of movie um but also just bringing nudity and sexuality into a scene like that is always something that makes me uncomfortable because like I don't know if you guys do this I just sometimes think about like if it's a situation where I'm thinking how uncomfortable it must have been for the actor to go through this then yeah. I then it feels weird for me to watch it uh for for kicks but I, I sound I know I sound like such a prude because there's a lot of yeah. movies that that aren't incredibly uncomfortable and do all these things but do it artfully and i don't have this this feeling of like why why am i watching this or who loves it like i could see who maybe watches this with their friends and enjoys the the fun of it of kind of talking over it but who loves this movie you know outside of as you've said, I will say the design of Art the Clown, the way that his eyes and mouth become these like black maws when he's in the shadows, his weird teeth, the fact that he's silent and he mimes and he mocks people and he does little yeah. mincing movements that kind of make fun of people and stuff. That stuff is all pretty, pretty effective and pretty creepy. I really wish there was any story to him at all, and that there was uh, there was more going on with the characters. Cause then I think the low budge aspect of it would have appealed to me, or I would have admired the, the yes. of it. But instead I was kind of, tur- like I said, I was turned off at so many moments where normally a movie like this, if it was chugging along, I'd be, I'd be getting more invested uh, because of the, you know, the hat trick of being yeah. cheap and being scary and gory and all that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I like, I like to feel like the actors seem like they're having fun. Um, and maybe yeah. they did in this, maybe they all had a blast, but it looked to me like, um, you know, I don't know a miserable experience.
1: (laughs) One thing I did really enjoy was like, when you realize that the scope of what art will use to kill somebody is not what you think it is. I love that. I love, I love that you're like, it's this, it's this. Oh, but it could, it could also be, it could also, I don't want to give it away. Well, no, I
2: will say that there's a thing. Yes. A thing he uses that often I think kind of breaks the slasher rule. If a slasher uses this weapon, Um, but it it was almost, if I had been there and this movie had had me there in that darkly funny place where I was laughing despite myself, I would have found that moment funny maybe, but instead it was just like, man, this is so ugly and I just felt so bad for the character and the actress and myself, um, but uh, no, I do agree that that is like, and also just the the mechanics of him. Like I said, there's no story to him. Maybe in the other movies, you get a little bit of a story to why he's the way he is. He just kind of shows up. Um, I would say that, would, that should make him creepier. But I think instead, it made it feel to me like there's like, once again, there's so, so little going on under the hood of this movie. Um, they nailed the image and the idea behind a, a, a mime. Yes killer also the way that he kind of goes out and just mills about and interacts with people outside of the kill scenes that there's something to do with that that's funny like i want to see him at like a department store at the mall or at the food court or at the post office um but they didn't really do that um so i guess i give them high marks for for art the clown and 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 low marks for just about everything else yeah i
0: i kind of like the and maybe the gore uh, the effects were decent I'll say like the, the the effects were pretty good. Like the practical stuff looked looked pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think I I think I liked. It had it had you know really nothing you know from the beginning. It's bookends, but like, like I, I I think I kind of like the, the 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 device they use in terms of, I guess the reveal of you know oh the book character is at the beginning. Yes. Yes. You know, the versus, wraparound, you know, and, who, and who that character is. Like I think that was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, but that wasn't I think a bad getting thing really loved getting
0: it. from A to Z like if there was any kind of yeah if there was any kind of quality or you know something in between the two I, I would have cared about that reveal yes. beyond just being like oh that was kind of cool you know an interesting way to to tell the story but I wish I was interested in it all and you know in it or the people in it but yeah this this one wasn't for me sorry yeah, okay. I got you. Uh, well, there's there's a- I, I know you didn't make it Ronald. I'm just no, saying like it's just it, 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 this is not one of the ones that worked. And you had
2: not seen. So- no, I think this required viewing is not I mean, it's any movie. So if it's something none of us have seen, that's fine too cuz you can do what you've done Ronald, which is force a topic. I was looking forward to us eventually watching these and talking about them just because they are being talked about. So this is I'm glad to kind of rip the rip the band-aid off of this and just let it let it happen. But I will say this, I just have a couple of like nitpicks i want one thing is it was a bad omen for me when this movie started off and the written and directed by uh damian leone credit was up and the written and directed by isn't really centered right with the name (laughs) it is (laughs) coming things that should be centered, but aren't as a, as a former graphic designer, that gives me a massive headache, but the fact that it's Mm. the written and directed by credit, you would think of all the ones you would at least make sure at least you you would think ego would lead you to check that one. Um, The one thing also uh, I I noticed that I just thought this was funny. There's a part where a person is attacking a a wooden door with a metal pipe. There's a chain around two, two handles and there's a master lock on the chain um in the order of what would be likely to be broken by the pipe uh, you would say maybe the wooden doors first, maybe the handles are next. Maybe the chain is next. The least likely thing to break with the pipe is that you would just open the lock with the pipe. But that's what happens is that the master lock is yeah. popped open by being hit with a pipe. Um, that just, I thought that was silly. And the other thing I thought, I don't, this is more of a question than, a, than a, this is more of a comment than a question. Those were more comments than questions. This is more of a question than a comment, I guess. Um, what there was one scene after he kills the bug guy and spoilers, folks, the bug guy dies. Um, He looks off because he hears the bike bell, and then he, like, walks away. And the next time we see him, I think, he's riding the little bike around and ringing the bell. What the fuck? How did the bike bell ring when Art wasn't on it or ringing it? (coughs) I mean, I, I honestly, I'm like a... saying, is there some kind of h- entity yeah. hinted at that I didn't know about that I just didn't get? Is that like an alarm system that he has that just sounds like a bike bell and he hears it wherever he is in the building? Is he in that building? Is that where he stays? The woman who has a, a doll that she thinks is a baby, she kind of seems to know him, but then also doesn't really seem to know him. I I, uh, yeah. I was wondering what you guys made of that and did the bike bell, What? Did, how did you interpret him hearing the bike bell and then walking away, and the next know. time we see him, he's on the bike so with someone on his bike you know
0: is there a character we don't know about um, i didn't think that far into it okay well, me i'll be honest right. I, I thought uh, if anything i would say it's like just he's crazy maybe he's just hearing yeah. Oh, yeah. you know it's time to go <laughs> it's time <laughs> to go is he doesn't get a dinner bell he gets a bike bell
1: is, he- <laughs> is, is that lady home was that lady homeless i i i thought she honestly said it like he it was a tenant like she was a tenant she, she was talking to it- the other woman like she was
2: when we first meet her and she talks about the situation it sounds I thought they were doing a their attempt at sort of a Texas Chainsaw Family kind of thing where it's like oh he hangs around this old warehouse and thought. there's a homeless lady that he kind of interacts with and That's she's nuts thought. and and I thought but then when it turns out it's like oh she seemed to be finding out he was a murderer in this right. movie um and then her fate is horrible too um but you do see her naked folks don't worry um uh so I thought I, f- I found that that was um yeah, that was confusing to me, like what her role was. And also like the janitor guy who was working in the adjacent building, it kind of seems like he would have been around this scenario enough to see what was going on too, and and I couldn't tell how much he knew. At first I thought there was going to be a lot of like like a little team of people that were working under Art or maybe like his his servants or something, but that didn't happen. So anyway, Art the Clown. Art the Clown more like yeah. fart the clown am i right guys <laughs>
1: <laughs> Then he comes the in and kills me
2: that's the kind yeah. of shit he would kill you for
1: yes yeah. absolutely and then he'd like cut your leg off and beat you with it <laughs> but not like a regular level till you were mush yeah that's just the 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 whole motivation of this guy is to do overkill for every kill and maybe he would eat my face yeah! Yikes! Yeah, <laughs> there was no consistency. Yeah. <laughs> no, is it a cattle? What kind of killer is he? <laughs> is he human? Honestly, he's all. Yeah, not. He's not. He doesn't seem to be human. He's either. all the killers. <laughs> yeah, he's all the killers combined. Well, we'll we'll
2: come back and address the art the clown phenomenon because I really think that whatever they have planned next, that's going to be the thing to be curious about, right? Because after yeah. Terrifier two made such waves, I feel like, you know, if somebody's going to bankroll some three, or they're going to get at least more than they've had, and maybe maybe they'll finally explain, um, you know, maybe a prequel where we see what happened to his teeth. Mm. Yeah. Just him, it's just him eating cotton candy all day and then going to bed <laughs> without brushing his teeth or something like that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. So, Steve,
2: you said you you hadn't. Oh, wait. Oh, it's time to name the next uh, required
0: viewing for for next week. Yes. Yeah, it's my turn, right? Yes. Yep. So I kind of sort of inadvertently teased it last week when we were talking about like holiday stuff. Mm. I kind of asked about uh, planes, trains and automobiles, mainly Mm because I was thinking about picking it, looking at the calendar. I saw that it would line up with uh, Turkey Day. So, uh, yeah, a movie I love. And uh, I look for a reason to watch anytime I can this time of year, especially. Uh, I think also just like, you know, recently, I think, you know, Steve Martin's kind of got another win going with uh, Only Murders in the Building. And I've seen a lot of people like, I don't know, randomly, maybe it was his birthday or something, but like posting about John Candy recently or there's some documentary being made about him. Yeah, there's a duck. So I was just like, in my feet, I was seeing all that. And I was just like, yeah, that's even even more reason. So yeah, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, 1987, written and directed by John Hughes. Um, big fan of his, obviously. Um, of John Candy, of Steve Martin. Um, pretty awesome cast in this movie as well. But yeah, nice holiday film. It's on, uh, what is it, on Paramount Plus, if you have a subscription there. I think it's also on Pluto TV. Um, possibly. I think I saw that on the the Just Watch app. Real quick plug for the Just Watch app. It, we don't we don't get sponsored by them, but if we ever mention stuff on the show, it's a great app that you can do either on the website or if you have an iPhone or Android device. Um, you can just type in really anything, and it tells you where you can stream it for free or where you can buy it. Oh if, if wow! It's digitally, but yeah, it's it's really what I use to try to find anything if I you know want to know where it's at, even relating to the topic earlier about. If something is streaming or you know, knowing when what's coming out, it's a it's a pretty cool little app that um is extremely accurate. So yeah, looking on that, it looks like it's Paramount Plus and Pluto TV. If you have either of those, you want to watch along with us?
1: Cool.
0: Um, planes, trains, and automobiles. Have you seen it, John? I'm not, have you guys seen planes, trains? Oh yeah. Automobiles or?
1: It's been man, I've seen it, but it's it's been on really long time. I would honestly say over 20 years for sure wow like, guaranteed. like yeah cool okay years. Good. good it's been a, it's yeah. probably been at least that Not long fresh
2: since watching it all the way through i don't know when the last time i watched it all the way through was i mean i saw yeah. lots of clips from it when um it was one of the movies that they used to put clips from it on the the comedy channel back in the day yeah um, yeah and uh i saw it when it came out i mean i was a huge john uh, uh hughes fan at that point and also a big Steve Martin fan and a big, I mean, you know, when I was like 12 yeah. or 13, whenever yeah. whatever I was when that movie came out, I was definitely in the age of every week, if I could, getting dropped off the theater to go see something. And that's something that would have been top of my list. And I, I, uh, I have very, very fond memories of it. And I think it has grown with me in the years since because when it first came out, I thought it got a little sappy right at the end. And I think Ooh. I've... I've become more appreciative of sapping it. Like when you're 13 or whatever age I was, sure, 14, sure. that's when you might be most like uh, grown. Uh, at it's sappiness. I've gotten sappier by the minute since that moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, this movie has the sappy part of this movie has gotten more and more effective on me when I, whenever mm. I think about it. And whenever I think about the turn, uh, that this movie may or may not take towards the end, but it's interesting how much this movie evolves. It's like, it's, it's actually got like, twists and turns in it kind of in terms of the emotional relationship um so no i and it's kind of weird to put it in a category like i guess now we kind of think of this movie as like a bromance but this is not that like this is not that model it's it's it is and it isn't it um so uh, yeah i can't wait that's this is gonna be fun to watch this actually seems like a family uh a good family not a good family watch there you go for sure thanks for suggesting it steve
0: thanks for requiring it man thanks (laughs) yeah my my pleasure um okay cool so we yeah, have plane trains on next week what else we got what else we got you're about well, to say something john i was gonna say i don't think you are caught up on atlanta but you
2: are right, right. ronald you, you finished atlanta yep. so yep. i don't know we'll try to talk about it without spoiling it too Whoa. much for you steve um I feel that I may talk about the shape of the last season, but not really the events of the last season, if that makes okay. any sense. Um, so nothing plot-wise will be spoiled. But I don't know, Ronald, what are your feelings about, I mean, now that Atlanta's done, it's a finished statement. Um, how do you feel they wrapped it up? How do you feel about the way it ended? And also just now that we are looking back, I think we talked about the show in its first or second season. How do you look back now that we've seen these these last two seasons of the show um, after a bit of a break? Um, That really seemed to kind of it's it's sort of a scattershot of uh, things that Donald Glover wanted to say, you know, and wanted to use this show to do. And it turns out he might have had a lot more in mind for what he could do with this show than the average fan uh, wanted to hang in there with. It seemed Um,
1: for sure. Um, I think I, I think that everybody should have listened to before the show came out, him saying that it'd be like Twin Peaks. I mean, I don't know why people ignored that. Uh, He said it like 15 times when, before the show started. And I think people thought that based on the first season that it was not, you know, it was going to have some level of surrealism and that was it. But as the seasons went on, like it really started to kind of step into that, that whole idea and, and whether people rolled with that is one thing or another but I'll just talk about how I feel about it. Um, Atlanta is by far one of the first shows I've ever seen in my human life that had conversations that I had never seen on TV. Even even within like some of the ridiculousness that was going on, I never felt seen on TV. And I and just because somebody was black and in a space doesn't mean that there were things about it that I could relate to because. Donald kind of walks in this weird space, right? He's from a really bad part of Atlanta, but had a great family. And I was (laughs) from a bad part of Baltimore with a great family. And, And from that, you can kind of discern these experiences that are both, you know, full of love and greatness and then complete chaos that exists in this area. I'd never seen that depicted on TV ever in my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any, I don't know very many people that had that where we're like, you'd have a an incredible day out and then somebody would be shooting in the club next week. I mean, like that, that was my life up until maybe, maybe right when I met Aaron, right when I met my wife, um, quite, uh, eight, nine years ago. So the, f- the my fact life. that. <laughs> my life. My life. The fact that this this there's a thing that well played, exists. Steve. Well played, Steve. Good interjection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the fact that there's something like this that exists in the pantheon of of television is so it's like lightning in a bottle. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it like exists. But I also think within that, everybody has the right to complain about the last two seasons. You know, even with all the things I've said. Yeah. I will not or, or, or the you. third
2: season if people are yeah, complaining the about first. the last season, I'm wondering what show they wanted yeah but my the third window. season I feel like was I can get when it's more than half not focused on yes the characters yes. that that brought us to this point I could see why okay. that was I mean as much as I enjoyed the third season, you and I were having this conversation, Ronald it would do and like it was it was like oh I kind of wanted to pick up with this plot line or that plot line and then you know they yeah, would yeah. keep subverting things. I can hang in there for somebody trying to subvert what I expect up to a point. Then there's a point yeah. beyond which I'm like, okay, what is this thing? I, I never got to that point with Atlanta. I still thought it was pretty brilliant throughout, but I did, I did start to miss the the show of the first two seasons uh, yeah. during the third season.
1: Yeah. So I was going to say that, that, that reminds me if, if you liked what the first two felt like, and maybe uh, are a little afraid of the, the surrealism of the third, Look no further than the fourth season. I feel like it's a good combination of all the things that existed in the first two seasons, and then some craziness from the third, but just a little bit—not yeah. as much, not not enough to like. <laughs> like I feel like Steve kind of threw it away when he saw it. because it was <laughs> it was it took you to a weird place, like it wasn't what we know. And if you want that, the fourth season—if you come on back, baby, come on back to the fourth season—you will enjoy it. And it is a send off that made me super emotional and kind of poses a huge question towards the end of the show that fucking made me almost flip my table over. Um, So to I, note I,
0: real quick, I, I as much as the third season, I haven't finished the fourth one. I'm like yeah. halfway through yeah. the 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 third season, like as much as it threw me, never once was it like. These aren't good episodes. Right, you know, right, like, right, right, right. Yeah. Like the totally, crea- yeah. the creation of these stories of what each kind of, you know, they felt more like standalone episodes. That like There was some through lines, you know, yeah. very loosely. But, you know, I'd say on its face, each episode themselves were like, oh, that was a great episode of a story being told. <laughs> but as the greater good, you know, or the greater overarching like idea of the characters that I love so much from the show. Yeah. That's where it lost me because I felt like there was it was so disjointed with the characters that I love seeing together navigate yeah. what their life is there. So, you know, taking them somewhere else and breaking off these stories and these one-offs and it's very cool. It's very creative. It's a, it, Like I think I said, like, it's a massive flex, you know, to be able to do that with a show like Atlanta with yeah. the traction that it has and the, mem- the momentum that it has and, and or had and still has. That's the only thing that really threw me, you know, and not to the point that I'm not going to watch season four, but it was to a point where I'm like, am I going to get to see that show again that I, the first two seasons, like I loved, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, and yes, you do. It kind of, you know, I can feel it coming back on track immediately, but that was the weird thing about that season for me was not like quality of anything. yeah, yeah. Cause like the people at work here are just like top of the line, everybody involved. You know, it's just, and even what they're even, you know, the storylines of each episode, like what they're saying and what they're what they're speaking to and on is just, you know, yeah, top shelf stuff. It's just it was uh, selfishly. You're just like, I want to see those characters together, you know, in, in, you know, in their hometown. You know, I want to see them there. Um, But yeah, not sorry to interrupt you, but just to be clear about season three, it wasn't like a turn it off. You know, this is crap. It was more (laughs) like this show pivoted a little bit. And where is it pivoting to from here was my concern, but it seems like, you know, it it came back around. Well, I mean, with this cast and everybody being busy and
2: pandemic hitting, I can see how this third season, they did what they could to get a season together. The, The fourth season is much more the characters interacting, and at least every episode hangs in there and focuses on one of our mains. Uh, even if they're not all together, um, Darius is still sort of a a recurring character more than a main character in the in the fourth season. But th- they make use of him. S- same with um, why am I not remembering Sazi Beats uh, uh, Van. Same Van. with Van. She's not in every episode, but you feel her presence. Um, Donald Glover. Have we not said his name? We keep saying he. <laughs> <laughs> in yeah. Relation to yeah this Donald, show. But Donald Glover, yeah. who kind of co-created this show uh, with his brother. Okay. And, uh, and, and Hiro Mirai is a director who like, it had a lot to do with the shaping of the look and feel of this show. Um, the, the great Stephanie Robinson is a writer and producer of television who had some, some great moments on this show. Um, uh, uh you know it, there's definitely a, a creative force behind this and so yeah steve to your point the episodes we're talking about that that were like abandonments of the the characters of the show and the through line of the show were often artistically uh uh beautiful and impressive and this show has always been beautiful in that way and impressive yep. in that way and be- like just shot as well as anything can be um and the way the last episode is both a super satisfying last episode of this show and also another kind of subversive episode of this show like it gives you those moments that you want from a last episode the heart the heart you want but it also as ronald said kind of introduces a, a philosophical question that's extremely meta and extremely mess with your head uh um, but also kind of like um uh you know, something you can almost explain away as the, as it's ending, because you kind of know what you've been watching for four seasons. But the show, yeah. the fact that they managed to introduce that kind of an idea in the last episode, and it works, is is a testament to what they've introduced thus far that's experimental. From the first season with the car, yeah. the the invisible car or whatever that was, you know, that's like there's these little things that are like signs that this show would step out and take these flights of fancy. And I've loved it when they've done it. And I've always loved the boldness of it. And I think the third season is that push to the extreme. This season is that mix that you want. The surrealism, the humor, the character, the darkness. There's a couple moments in the fourth season. There's one... Uh, storyline about Earn, Donald Glover's character that's about the darkest thing they've had one of the characters on the show do and they don't really come back to it. They kind of just say this is part of the tapestry of this character but um, these characters have been so at odds with each other and so separate for so long the way the show and the final episodes makes kind of like, are they going to come back together and how the way it makes that question the front line question you know i thought yeah. that was cool and i think that it did make me realize how much i care about you know uh earn and van's relationship and how much i care yeah. about uh, uh paperboy and, and Ern's relationship too um yeah uh, favorite episodes i was looking at when i was looking at Ooh. all the episodes i honestly realized season two is it's got the bangers in it season two's yeah. got um teddy perkins <laughs> It's got alligator man, which is incredible. And it's yeah. got maybe my favorite, Barbershop. I, I honestly I think Barbershop yes. is one of the funniest episodes of television I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, not just because it has a Zaxby's reference in it, but you know, even even with that. Um, no, I just think that like that season has, but I mean there's 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 other episodes and other seasons that are as good as those, but I yeah. realize that the first three I thought of are from uh are from season two. What what are some favorite yeah. episodes for you, Ronald? <clears throat> um
1: Alligator Man,
2: Cat Williams uh, is so good
1: in that. Uh, the the fir- man, the season opener of season two is cinematic. I I watch it like once a month because it just because it's the way that it's it's Tarantino ish. You, you know, it starts with two kids in a in in a room playing video games, and somebody just offhandedly says, "Hey." I heard that <laughs> A, B, and C, and it just gets crazy from there. I, that's what I. That's what I love about yeah. that show. The camping episode of season four mm-hmm. broke me. Yeah, to the point where like zeros and ones were coming down my th- down in front of me. You know what? One thing that is really cool about this show is um, when it started, I did not have a family, and then you know, oh, season yeah, four, yeah, yeah. times passed. I have a family now, and there's a con- there's context for the show, that that episode we've seen these people go through this relationship mm-hmm. throughout the years, and one of the most powerful speeches is given. And I know I've said it if, if you've ever loved somebody enough, you've said it randomly. You've kind of tried to express, you know, because like if you're lucky, you have somebody that doesn't need you. That's like a thing I've been thinking about. Like, oh yeah, every you probably met this person. The best case scenario when you meet somebody you're in love with they don't need you and it affects the way you think about your love toward them and you know the independence there's a fierce independence about people you know I could tell you I could tell John you know your partner's like that Steve I know your partner's like that you, you know you just you could tell that there's a fierce independence That you know, and you could tell that
2: Nikki could drop me in a second. (laughs) (laughs) The second you met my wife, (laughs) your first thought was she doesn't need him. But you
1: know what I'm saying? No, I know what you mean.
2: Like you wouldn't like if you've ever been in a situation where somebody needs you. Yeah, it's a little bit. It can be. It can be a little creepy, or it can be a little like I don't know if I can vouch for you because you need me. But like no, but I, honestly, I, what you're getting at, Ronald, it, that that scene, that speech, that that moment, is so powerful because, again, it's what I said a minute ago. I didn't realize how much I was invested in that, and yeah. and particularly for like these characters, the growth, the showing. Like I love to see characters sort of show that growth, you know? Yeah. And whether it yeah. clicks or whether it really works or not, it's great to see someone who you're wondering what the message of a show like this is going to be. It's great yeah. to see that the show wants you to at least be going into these final episodes loving these characters and caring about them. The show's not going to burn you for caring. You know, it doesn't mean everything turns yeah. out great. It just means yeah. it just means for that sure. they're, the, show's, the show's expecting you to care. You know what I mean? The heart in this show has yeah, been yeah, real. Yeah. And the moment you're talking about is an unexpectedly sort of sincere... Moment, like I kept waiting for things to turn. You know what I mean. I kept waiting for some really effed yeah, up mess yeah. to happen in that episode, and <laughs> it, and it and it was more personal and intimate. And I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. By the way, I, I, love, for, I love the Farmer Alfred episode too. I just want to say that episode. Was, oh yeah, it was
1: really good. Yeah. And I only said that to say like it's it's like the the, the relationships are based in want, not need. You know, there's mm-hmm. something about that sort of dynamic for all of the characters because you know they met each other. I I forgot. I rewatched. The first episode after the last episode, and it lends itself to that theory. But also, Earn did not like uh what's the name? Uh the, the friend uh not on the Darius. He didn't like is this mm. is that, is that his name, Darius Darius, yeah. He didn't like him. He was talking during paper while Paperboy was there. He's just like, Who is this person? Why is he talking? Earned it not like him. And to think that that eventually that turns around and he depends on him and they depend on each other, that dynamic, you know, it didn't exist before. Yeah. And, and now you're seeing it kind of evolve to fourth season and they look different than they did before. You know, it's just, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's really cool. I just say that to say, watch season four.
2: No, I loved season four, and I thought the last that episode was, uh, was great. I honestly thought it was a, and it was the kind of ending I want this show to have. It didn't lay it on too thick. It left me with stuff to think about, but it definitely left me with a sense of resolution yeah. about where these characters are going and where they're at. And 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 just like I said, is you know, it's like Better Call Saul ended, and my favorite thing about it was, oh my, you know, I, what I wished for this character was to have self awareness, you know. And yeah, I kind of yeah, think yeah. that that's what you're hoping for with Ern too. You just want him to know what he's got, um, and I feel like at the end of this fourth season, he seems to he seems to be centered in that way, or at least the story seems to be about him becoming centered in that way. Um, and yeah, I think that's for sure. that's cool. But yeah, let's not t- like these these this this whole cast that four the four main people, but especially Paperboy. Uh, uh, I think is I mean he's he, that guy i was shocked in that episode with him just like fixing a tractor ronald how much i I could watch him just do his business (laughs) like follow him around all day and i love the way he is with people like the guy down at the store the little redneck guy or (laughs) that he was dealing with who's kind of like you kind of want to hate him because he clearly has like a he's got like a confederate flag and shit on the wall but also he's not unfriendly to alfred and he tries to help him with his wild boar problem um but like um there's just all this stuff just seeing him like seeing these characters interact with people is fun. I in that last episode, seeing how Darius is with people. Um yeah. just how he interacts. It's like, oh, this this sh- that's a sign of a great show is when you just like watching how the characters are, just watching them yeah. be. Um, um, and I love minutes. <laughs> what did he say? You've been oh, over there Steve. for 32
1: minutes. What? 32 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Steve, I can't wait to see <laughs> that episode. I laughed so hard when I heard yeah. It, Definitely. Yeah, um, definitely
0: yeah. look forward to seeing it. I, I was going to say, uh, you're talking about favorite episodes. I mean, you mentioned Brian Tyree Henry. I think
1: mm.
0: also in season two, the Woods episode is probably oh, yeah. one of one of my favorites. Mainly because yeah. Yeah, for me, the show is Paperboy. And
1: oh, I love man. him.
0: Anything he's in, he's just like, he's one of the best out there right now. Yeah. So that's, I mean, obviously, Teddy Perkins, like the, the alligator man, those are amazing episodes. But for him in terms of a showcase that that episode kind of always stood out to me.
2: Steve, how far uh, have you gotten in season four? Have you gotten to the, three. I want episode okay. three. Okay. So I won't say. Yeah, So
0: uh, half, yeah. I'm almost halfway.
2: No, there's a really good, uh, there's, well, there's some really great paper boy stuff, but there's one storyline that happens at a mall uh, that is just so insane and so funny. And, and yeah, he's fantastic in that stuff. Like where he, yeah, him reacting amazing. to some insane shit happening. He's a guy who just really doesn't want to be bothered. <laughs> <Yeah>. um,
1: <laughs> so funny, man.
2: Um, and you see him in enough things, and you realize what a performance that is, too. I think that's another yeah, thing. And I feel that way about sure. Lakeith Stanfield as Darius, too. They definitely bring themselves to these roles, but you see them in other things, and you go, oh, yeah, that's a real character. That's a real performance. Like, that's yeah. Paperboy is not who he is in other movies. So it just makes you think much yeah. more about the choices of that character and the body language, the everything. So what a great voice that guy has.
1: <clears> he <throat> does, man. Um, what have you guys been looking at? Have you been watching anything over this past couple weeks? Oh, well, I guess week, yeah, this week.
0: <laughs> Has it been weeks? Yeah, man, I must have felt it's been weeks.
1: Damn.
0: Has anybody <laughs> seen um, Amsterdam? No, I haven't, but real quick, uh, before we get off, Brian Tiber, I was gonna mention I saw Causeway, which is the Apple TV movie that he's in, mm-hmm. with, okay, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, and again. He's phenomenal. They're both phenomenal in this movie. It's it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's kind of a very subdued, but really kind of tough, heavy movie to watch. Um, but definitely some of the best stuff she's done in a long time. Oh, and, wow. uh, and another just like awesome performance by him. Like, you know, you think about, you know, the little bit of screen time he had in Beale Street and you're just like that guy and you know he's been in some blockbuster movies but you know even just stuff like this their chemistry is so good in this movie and mm-hmm. yeah it i definitely recommend checking it out it's on uh it you know it's on yeah apple tv plus it's not that long either it's only like an ha- hour and a half long no so it's not like it's not like a you no know, you know like a big commitment in terms of like a, a heavier more darker movie to watch dramatic uh but yeah, just on the topic of him before we get off of him. Uh, another reason why I think he's like, the dude's going to win an Oscar someday. It's just a matter of when and what, but he's great. Right. And she's really good in it too. And i I feel like the, maybe she's going into a phase of her career, um, where these are the kind of roles she's kind of going after more, um, like kind of recentering maybe what she's doing as a star and with her acting career. Cause so I really like her. And, um, this is definitely a reminder of like what an amazing actress she is, but it's called Causeway and it's on Apple TV plus.
2: Cool. Yeah. I couldn't tell that's one where I couldn't tell from the poster image, like what the heck kind of movie it was.
0: So yeah, I had yeah, she's basically like a, she's a, st- a soldier who had like a brain injury and oh. basically adjusting, a- adjusting to life back in new Orleans, like where, where she's from and their paths kind of cross and he's got his own, you know story that he's kind of dealing with uh yeah and they kind of just kind of find that support in one another but yeah it's 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 good it's really good
1: cool
2: well Um, i just i
0: just mentioned amsterdam
2: i'll i asked if anybody saw it and did you ronald
1: no i haven't seen it
2: yeah I guess I will wait maybe <laughs> until somebody's seen it. I mean, I it's like you've heard the mixed to negative reviews yeah. of for this thing. Um, it's the kind of cast where you you sort of would expect if it were good, you'd think you'd be hearing more about it, you know. Oh, or if yeah, it were, if it place. were, if it were a home run, you'd be hearing more about it. But there's always right. the chance that with a David O. Russell movie that if critics aren't d- digging it and if audiences aren't digging it, that you might watch it and go, "Hey, this is another uh, I Heart Huckabee's," because that was a movie that critics didn't love and that audiences didn't love and that I loved. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to this movie being something that maybe people are missing. You know, and it's so funny right. how over the course of two plus hours. There's so much charming stuff. There's so much to like. There's so many little funny bits. If you like the cast, which most people are going to like somebody in this cast, um, there's plenty to watch that you can enjoy, but it's almost like while you're watching things that are working, you're also seeing the things that aren't working or the ways it's just not coming together and the way that scene to scene, it's not gelling into a story where you feel like there's momentum or it's like all the quirks, all the traits, all the, you know, Christian Bale's a guy with a, big scar on his face and a glass eye and a crazy you know uh, barton fink hair and he's like lost a lot of weight and he's doing an accent and doing it's like it's so much so quirky and like i don't know there's just something about it that feels like it should be zinging you from scene to scene but mm-hmm. instead it's kind of a slow kind of dreamy pace in that sense and and you do find yourself two thirds in realizing oh i really don't care like i really i don't i don't the storyline i'm not I'm not with it. Like there's too many yeah. like you need to talk to so and so. He knows about this. It's like one of those where there's like a twisting storyline and I think but you know you're supposed to be trying to guess what's going on, but it's so madcap that like there's no there's no traction for you to be, you know, there's nothing uh-huh. grounded for you to hold on to 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 be like, "Oh, what's going to happen here?" But if you like watching these actors have fun around each other, um then you know, it's definitely got some pleasures to it. I did not hate it, but I did find, like, within, well, like, have you ever done this where, like, a movie's, like, not too well-reviewed and you're kind of curious about it anyway, and the first five minutes you're like, what are people talking about? This is fine. And then 10 minutes in, you're like, well, that was kind of an odd little moment. And then by the time it's like 15, 20 minutes in, you're like, okay, yes, okay. (laughs) This is, you know, mediocre at best as a movie, but that doesn't mean there aren't things to enjoy about it. Just about from beginning to end, from the way it's shot to the the performances and everything. It's just a
0: loose, weird script. Is this going to, is this, is this solidify uh, the take that uh, they need to stop trying to make John David Washington happen?
2: Can oh, I say boy. that
0: he's his usual mild self, but this is this <laughs> time I found
2: him a little bit more enjoyable in this because I told myself he's playing kind of a quiet, calm guy in the midst mm. of all this wackiness, and I enjoyed him in this a little bit more. But I think that's because David O. Russell, for all of his flaws that are on full display in this movie, David O. Russell gets actors to. Loosen up and do something like there's some there's some reason why he has kind of a feel and a style to his movies, even though it might be a little hard to pin down. Um, and it's, it's so I think John David Wash that's his name, John David Washington. Did I get that right? Mm. Um, he's he's yeah, he's he's not the worst thing about it. But yes, there's still nothing like electrifying about this guy. If you're looking for that star power that we found missing from a couple other movies that yeah. he he had to carry maybe the fact that christian bale's doing every actorly thing in the book to to hold right. interest right. you don't really need yeah. you don't need another guy twitching around you know yeah. in wacky
1: um okay um i started listening to a very interesting podcast oh the jordan uh, peele thing the jordan peele quiet part loud um which is i don't know man like Tracy is it the scariest
2: West. podcast? They've said it's that their goal was to make the scariest podcast ever. Uh, I don't even know what that a... means. Are there scary podcasts? <laughs> like I'm, I'm not aware
1: of. Uh, them. I mean, I guess I guess the equivalent of this it, for for the listeners out there, calls um, Apple TV Plus has a series called Calls that is an absolute roller coaster ride. It's audio with yeah. some visuals, but it's mostly audio. And if you have a good sound bar. Or like a home theater setup, you know, just crank it up and let the, and let the magic happen. Um, and there is there is some top notch sound design in this um, in this show. So I listened to it in my car, and the sound moves all around the car. It's really weird. Like I I thought typically something's just a stereo setup.
0: Mm-hmm. This
1: thing moves around. The, I I don't know what what they're using but the sound is bouncing around the the whole car. So I'm like getting some stuff in the back. Like what the fuck is going on? (laughs) But it it, it basically is about a uh, kind of a right wing. I'm sold. (laughs) A right wing kind of host that (laughs) he basically is. Fox news ish. And he he has a theory that there's a sleeper cell of, of Muslim kids in New York and they disappear. And basically because of all this, the way that he attacks the subject matter, he -hmm. gets banished. Like he loses his viewers. He loses his listeners. And then one day somebody offers him the opportunity to get it all back. But, there's some there's something to it there's 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 something about the way that people are approaching him about his message uh that that he was kind of talking about back then, which may have led to uh people getting hurt out in the streets because of the propaganda and he's kind of stepping back into this role, but with that stepping back into the role, the consequences may be a bigger bigger ripple effect. He's kind of made a deal with the devil um and it's about that so it's it's intense man it's it's really intense and it sounds really good
2: steve you're smiling about something you're just happy about ronald's uh rundown of that podcast or something else love <laughs> can it can you yeah i love it <laughs> love it <laughs> Yeah. No, Ron, Ronald and I have been talking about a, a, a scary podcast idea, and it's like so. I was like watching this news when I saw it announced. I guess it was a week or so ago that I saw the first mention of it. You know, yeah. And it's like just that idea of being creepy with a podcast. I would, I would say, even though I was joking about can podcasts be scary. I think the scariest podcasts I've listened to have been sort of true crime. Podcasts or anything involving like found audio or occasionally you'll be listening to like a weird phone call that's been recorded or something, you know, things like that are scary. I think audio definitely has the power to be creepy in that way. Um, but sure. I just love that Jordan Peele is trying to be like the scary guy. Like he's like, nope, we're going to do the Me scariest too. podcast. Um, <laughs> we're going to do, you yeah. know, I'm going to keep doing these bigger and bigger movies. Uh, you know, I love how committed he is to the genre. Uh, so Me that's too. that's what I take from that. But I'll have to check it out because I'm I'm very, you know, just even doing my due diligence, my research for a couple of projects I want to do. I need to know what what's the scariest podcast. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. You got to figure and out what people is... <laughs> are doing to make
2: it make it scary, you know, and what's working and what's not. <clears throat>
1: I'd say calls are scarier. I mean, just off the first episode, I just listened to the first 20 minutes in, uh, but it, it's, it's making some, I want to, I want to find out what happens next. And it's, it's, it's doing its job.
0: Yeah.
2: So. What else is, is that? To- a, is that a show, Steve, anything to wrap it up? Any final thing,
0: thoughts, recommendations, um... recipes, Recipes, yeah. Let me post a few of them. On them. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I, I yeah, I don't think I've seen. I mean, I watched when I watched watched uh, Tulsa King. This, the, the alone, which I thought was fine. It was me too. Good. Yeah,
1: he should have been. A, he should have been a mob boss twenty years ago. Yeah, I was like, he's kind but of that would have. He also would have been 55. five. Yeah, no, it's 50. Crazy how
0: it's crazy. Like that that moment with Andrew Savage is like. It. it like, you, you feel the same that she feels when she hears that number. Yes. I was like, He looks great. He does. He, he does. But, I, yeah, I'm liking that. I mean, I think, again, it's probably another hit for Taylor Sheridan. Like, he's got, like, this machine that oh, he's running. That's oh, him. I, I wasn't aware of it. Yeah. yeah, Paramount+. Plus. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see how that show goes along. I guess in general, like, I wanted to just – I think I maybe mentioned it one other time, but with the season wrapped up, I just wanted to, again, if I didn't, maybe the first time, the AMC plus series, Interview with the Vampire, you gotta watch this series. Oh my god, okay. I loved it. Like if if you like the, any of the Anne Rice novels, any of you know, even if you I mean, I, I like the interview with the vampire movie, um, mm-hmm. even with all of its flaws, uh, that came out. I guess I don't know when that was in the 90, mid 90s, mid-90s, late nineties. 90s? I don't remember. But um, yeah, I mean, just you know what what they've gone. Where they go with the series is definitely way more in line with the book, um, which you know, um, some people will like to hear. I think, but mm-hmm. I think like that, that, you know, that the estate had a lot more to do with the series, um, and kind of what and and how it, how they adapted the book to uh to the TV, and I think just that that format also just lends itself to being able to dive really deep into that story, um, which is just I think awesome and like. Yeah, the the cast that they, who they have playing uh, Louis and Lestat, I think, are just incredible. Grey Worm from Game of Thrones, you know, plays Louis, um, and the gentleman, the guy who plays Lestat, I can't remember his name. I can't remember, I, I'd have to look it up. But yeah, they're just really well cast and really go into like you know the the relationship. I'll say uh, that they have in the in the book um, in the series as well. Uh, but yeah. That that wrapped up its season like a week or so, or, or maybe a week and a half ago. Oh, cool! I like, I like a I like
2: a full season to watch. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely Me recommend
0: too. that for sure. I, I loved it, and I think it got picked up for another season. I think they even did that before it even aired. I think, wow. but um, looks amazing, really, really well handled first season. I can't wait to see more of what they do. Uh, but cool. yeah, that's one AMC Plus. So, yeah, Interview with a Vampire yeah I think that was the only other one I was gonna mention again, my my woes of getting to the theater continue and I haven't been able to see Wakanda well, kind of forever. I kind of I was hoping to be out to get out to see next week when they do the glass onion thing in theaters for the little run that it gets mm-hmm. um, before it hits Netflix in, de- in you know in December. but we'll see how that pans out. Uh, is the website uh, youtube.com slash podcast. Hit the site uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast in audio form. You can listen to it right there, the, the entire back catalog or jump into whatever um, podcast platform you prefer to use, uh, maybe on your phone. Uh, if you subscribe to it, please leave a review or rating, anything like that. It's great for feedback and also just to help people find the podcast when they search for the, you know the keywords that might drive them to this podcast. It maybe helps mm. us a little higher in the search results. And if you're going over to... What's that? Hunks. Yeah. Hunks. Um, yeah. These are the keywords. Handsome. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you head over to the YouTube, though, and you want to subscribe to the video version that um, we put together, make sure you hit subscribe there as well. Hit the bell for the notifications of when new episodes come out. And beyond the episodes of the podcast on that channel, um, do put out stuff throughout the week in between episodes, news items, teasers for the upcoming episode. Little recaps, you know, shorter versions of them if you can't listen to the whole thing, And and at least on some of the topics that we go over. um, They all come out on that YouTube feed, so if you hit the subscribe button, make sure you hit the bell um, to get the notifications when they drop. And, uh, yeah, next week we'll be back with our, I guess, a uh, Thanksgiving-themed, maybe, episode. Maybe we'll finally talk a little more about Wakanda Forever, if I can finally see it. And uh, we'll go through uh, my required viewing pick, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, again, on Paramount+. And I think Pluto TV. Don't quote me on the second one, but do you guys have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Uh, just if you guys c- can try to catch up on Andor before next week, too, because the oh, finale yeah. of Andor
1: comes oh, out. Oh, right. So. I'm way behind.
0: I got to start Andor, John. Well, my brand. friend, you're in for a pleasure, but it is like... I hear. It's
2: a really good show, but it's also kind of a slow burn, so I hope that, <laughs> I hope that binging doesn't hurt the...
1: Yeah, the, the whole experience. The, the, like,
2: the, the feel of it, because it's been yeah. such a fun dip into a, a way of looking at Star Wars that I just don't think mm. anyone's pulled off yet, as well as right. this. So,
0: anyway. Oh, wow. Cool. Okay. I'll do my best, John. Yes, do please best. do. Please do. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. As always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.
1: I got to pee so bad. I'll be right back. All right. Hope you
0: have a. I hope you have a good pee, Ronald. I hope you make it to the toilet. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> Give him <them> hell. Yeah. <laughs>